happy, happy, merry Christmas. You know, it's funny, we, uh, as we plan this series, we think about when Christmas is, and it's still a few weeks away, but, but it's here. It is here now. I mean, I know it's just December 2nd, but it is Christmas 3rd. Oh, I'm all behind. I mean, it is Christmas, and it is Christmas time. Thank you, Pastor Nick. Appreciate that. He called me Pastor Dennis. That doesn't happen very often. Usually it's just Dennis, but that's fine. You know, something about Christmas and something about, you know, this time of year, we, we celebrate the king born in the manger, and, uh, but have you noticed there's so much that goes into the season? And sometimes it's easy to get caught up in all the hustle and the bustle and the, the pressure and the stress. And have, How many have gotten your tree already? How many have not got a tree? How many don't even do a tree? How many do a live tree? I mean, a real, like a live, like it used to be live. I mean, I know it's in the process of drying out and all, but it's still live, right? How many do not do that? You do artificial. Oh, whoa, really? Wow. Okay, how many do more than one tree? Okay, how many, uh, how many do, uh, <laughs> how many uh, put lights on the house? Okay, who do not ever? Really, that's it with the lights? Okay. Okay, how about inside? You could decorate it inside? Who haven't, who has not done that yet? I know I talked to one of my aunts uh, yesterday and uh, on the phone, and typically she's the one that decorates and has a tree in every room and all that kind of thing, but she had her hip replaced last week, so she's having her granddaughters do the decorating, and she's not doing it until December 23rd, and even as I was talking to her, I could hear her voice going higher and higher and higher, and I said, I said, Aunt, Aunt Joanna, are you okay with that? And she goes, I'm really struggling with that. I can't, it's not Christmas yet. She, and then... <laughs> I don't know if any of you are like this, and I love that she's self-aware. She said, she goes, and I'm already really trying to tell myself I'm going to let them do what they want. I said, what do you mean? She goes, well, you know me. She goes, I'm going to try. As they start to put things up, you know, normally I'd want them to move it here or put it there, or, or no, this would look better here, but I'm going to actually let them decorate. I said, wow, really? You're going to pull that off? She goes, I hope so, but I'm trying right now. And She's already feeling the pressure of all that. And so many people, you know, you struggle with so many things with that, you know, the money that goes into Christmas sometimes. And I know people who are already talking about how much credit they're going to build during the season. And some people are worried about their health. And then there's all the Christmas parties and trying to arrange everybody's schedule. It can be so hard. I know even for our staff here at the church, you know, we kept going back and forth and back and forth and it seemed like we could never settle on a date and then work for one family and didn't for another. And, and the more you try to include, the more difficult that, that becomes. And all you're trying to do is celebrate, but it ends up being so much more stretch and pressure and time. And then there's the kids' school programs and family gatherings. And the family part can be so complicated. I know so, so many of you are trying to work that out now. And even if there's no travel involved, you think about... I remember, you know, young couples, you talk to them, even in marriage counseling, I talked to them about, hey, it, it's a good idea if you start thinking about this now, how you're going to handle the Christmas time. And they're like, what do you mean? And I said, well, whose house are you going to celebrate at? And they both look at each other. Well, mine, of course. Really? And then when you have kids, that makes it even more complicated, right? Because it's a lot of families still do the thing where they go to one and then go to the other, or maybe they go Christmas Eve to one and, and Christmas Day to the other. Or some, I've even talked to some families who have already started celebrating Christmas because it's so difficult to get all the family units together that they've already celebrated Christmas, and I know some who are already going to say, well, you know what, we just get together after New Year's. It's way easier to plan that way. And then if you add step families into the mix, it gets more and more complicated, and you say happy holidays, you say Merry Christmas, and then in that, in that poem we just read, it's old enough that they said happy Christmas, which I always think, happy Christmas, oh yeah, Merry, well, that's how they used to say it. 
Then there's the politics that gets involved and the frenzy and the frantic and the busy and we're pushed to buy. Have you noticed that the toy companies and the stores, it's almost like, well, they are, they are in a big, it's just a big cabal that tries to get you to buy certain things. Have you noticed that? And they tell you what's going to be popular. How many remember these? What are these? Is anybody here of age where you remember when this was a big deal? I had to look it up because I couldn't remember. I mean, it was 1983, and you couldn't find them anywhere. And these things, I don't know what they retail for in the stores, but I distinctly remember that these things were going for like 100 bucks. People were advertising them. And I couldn't even believe it because, well, I couldn't believe it. Let me just stop right there. And I know people, this was their favorite toy, and I know people who still have one of these because it was the big thing. It was the toy. How many remember these? Anybody know what that is? Yeah, that took them... (laughs) Yeah, 1996, this was the toy. You could not find them anywhere, nowhere. How many remember Beanie Babies? (laughs) Remember they were in kiosks? I mean, they were everywhere. You could find them everywhere. And they had had Beanie Babies for everything. Not only were they, like, I mean, they they weren't even babies really, right? They were animals. They weren't actually babies, right? Tells you what I know. Remember the Nintendo Wii, how big a deal that was? And everybody's trying to find them, and you call everybody and say, do you have one, do you have one, will you hold it? Well, I can't hold it, I can only hold it for five minutes. like, oh my goodness. Does anybody know what the big toys are this year? I actually had to go online to search, because my kids are not in that age range anymore where we're doing that. How many hours did you guys spend in the toy aisles? Remember that? Sometimes you would just, like a lot of times, like if Nicole had shopping to do, we'd go to the store, and then I'd just take the kids, and we would just spend the entire time there just looking at this toy and that toy. And, and because I had boys and girls, you know, we'd have to split our time between the different rows, and Theo's hating it in the girl aisle, and vice versa. And, and so I was looking it up online. This is the second most popular toy this year. Does anybody know what these are? Oh, my goodness. See, I didn't know if anybody would know. Yeah, fingerlings. And maybe you don't know this, but they're fingerlings. They're monkey. It's a monkey assortment by, I love the name of this company, Wowee. Wow, we, how much more perfect of a toy company could you name yourself? Uh, Let me just read you to the description, because actually after reading this, I do want to see one. I don't necessarily want to own one, but I'd like to see it. It says, uh, these adorable pet baby monkeys are clingy by design, clingy, clingy, it's hard to say right now with my throat this way, with blinking eyes and a turnable head, they respond to sound and motion and know when they are touched are hanging, it's creepy, someone said that's creepy, and uh, are hanging upside down, and even when it's time to sing. So I, I, I should have gotten a video of them. I bet you there's videos online I could have got, but maybe that'll do me. I don't need to buy one or see one, I guess. But uh, does anybody know what the number one toy is? Anybody want to guess? No, nope, no guesses. It's actually these. Anybody know what these are? Oh, I hear it. I can hear people saying it, and I hear applause already. Are you applauding because you got that already? Oh, yes, she got the number one toy. And I don't know if they'll sell out like some of these other toys do or if they're smart enough to know. You know, I mean, you got to, I, mean, I don't really have any sympathy for the manufacturers, I guess. But I was going to say, they don't know for sure what's going to be big. So they've got to produce all these and they don't want a big backlog. But, but these things, I mean, I, looking at them, they kind of remind me of those, was it Lala Loopsies that were big at one time with, with Lily? But kind of, they got that, the head and the big eyes and whatever. But let me read you this description. You won't believe this. These are sold by MGA Entertainment. And I don't know, Lori, did you know what they do? Okay. These collectible dolls from the maker of Bratz, go figure, uh, come wrapped in layer after layer of accessories and outfits. Get the doll wet, and they'll deliver their surprise. (laughs) Surprises in quotation marks on this here. Of... Um, I'm just going to read it, all right? I don't take any responsibility for what these things do or any of you who buy them. 
It says they will deliver their surprise of spitting, crying, changing colors, or even urinating. Again, I, I wouldn't mind seeing one of these things in action. I just don't want one. But um, it says this, these collectibles are selling out quickly and have become a sensation on eBay. So talk about, talk about stress. I mean, it's all, you got to get the right toy. And then what if your kid doesn't like it? Or what if, what if they wanted a different color? Or if, what if all their friends have it and then they didn't get it? And it's the one thing they wanted. Or, or maybe they put the whole list together and... And then there's all the thing about the latest fashions, because you never know for sure what's going to hit or what your kids are going to buy or like. And I don't know about me, I always hated opening the presents that were the flat, soft ones, because you know why? I knew it was clothes. I'm like, ah, I don't want clothes. Clothes, are, you have to wear clothes. It's not like I want clothes. It's just that you have to have them. What if, what if they're insulted by the gift you give? Like, they already know what it costs, and you didn't spend enough. Or, I don't know if you have this pressure, but if you have multiple kids or if you're buying for multiple cousins or different people and you think, oh, no, I spent $20 on them and I only spent 10 on them, I've got to find something else that will get up to $20, right? Because everybody's got to have the same amount. And then you start feeling the pressure of the money and, and you just, man, you just, it's not supposed to be like about stress. And then what if they don't get you anything and then you already got them something? On the one hand, you could be offended. On the other hand, you feel bad because they might feel bad. And then they might give you something later, and then you're like, oh, you didn't have to, but I'm glad you did. But you don't say that out loud because then you sound cheap and superficial. And, and how many of you feel this stress that you really do wish you could get more? I mean, you buy things, and then I don't know if you've ever done this, but we've done this before where we would buy early in the year thinking, okay, we're going to add this up, and then that way it won't hit so big at Christmas. Then when it gets to Christmas, you see all these new things, and you think, well, I want to get these too. And then you realize, oh, my goodness, I can't believe I had so many things. And then the stores. How many of you went to uh, uh, Black Friday sales? Anybody? Really? That's it? I thought more would go. Um, I know the parking lots were ridiculous, and I know that morning I had to get a few things, just regular stuff, and, and this is how I decided what store I'd go into is based on the parking lot. Because if it was a, one of those parking and now I have gone to the Black Friday sales before, but mainly it was just to enjoy the chaos, honestly. I wasn't actually buying anything. I didn't look for anything. I didn't have a deal I was trying to find. But I did find a couple deals, and I thought, wow, this is pretty cool. And then I got and saw the line. I was one of those guys who walked in like where the line should start, and then I looked back and like, oh my goodness, this line goes, and by the time I found at the end of the line, I was asking people, how long have you been waiting? How long have you been waiting? And I mean, it was up over an hour, and I thought, this is, no deals this good. I'm sorry. I don't, I don't need the $20 off or 10 or whatever. It's not that big a deal. I didn't even come for anything in the first place, and, but you see the stress and the, the, you know, some of it's exciting, but at the same time, it's stress, and then jobs can be stressful this time of year. I actually know of a couple people, and I keep people like this in prayer because I know of a couple people who they're not sure if their job will be there after this season. And that's kind of what happens a lot of times this time of year. You know, companies are looking at their year end and thinking about the future, and, and maybe you're trying to make plans. And it doesn't end there. I mean, we still live in a world in chaos. It's a lot of stress and pressure. I, I know you're aware of what's happening right now, for instance, on the Korean Peninsula. It's frightening. And it's something that, that you, you think about and you, I don't know if you know anybody who, I know I have family members who have served there and been in Korea, and then I know a lot of people who are Korean, and I think about, can you imagine being a South Korean right now and knowing that 30 miles across your border, from your border, are, are literally thousands of munitions aimed at you and could go off in any minute and there's nothing anybody could do? I mean, I pray and hope that we as a country could stop maybe the nuclear part of all that going down. But, but the people who live right there, it's hard to imagine living under that stress and knowing that that's right there. 
And it's hanging you over you the whole time. And imagine you're going out and buying presents. And at the same time, you're thinking there's a madman across the border. Oh, man, I just even talking about it, it's, it's kind of overwhelming. How do you enjoy and how do you feel a sense of peace in the middle of that storm? I mean, that's way beyond whatever you could do. Think about the threat of terrorism in this time of year. I mean, it seems like if you were an Islamic terrorist, it would be the perfect time of year to destroy people's peace. You know, there's a home somewhere, probably a lot of somewheres, where mom and dad aren't getting along. And the topic of divorce has come up a few times. And neither one of them really wants it. And certainly the kids don't want it. But it's stress. And this time of year doesn't make it better. And I'm sure there's a guy, probably girls and guys a lot, who are in high school right now. And there's, the fact is, every day is stressful for them. Because there's no peace. And maybe they're harassed, or maybe school is a struggle, and they can't figure out why it's so hard for them and easy for everybody else. And there is no peace. And they get pushed around, and they worry what tomorrow's going to be like, and they don't even know who they are and why it's them, and it has to be them. And there's someone at their job that they don't really like, but they have to do it because they need a paycheck. And things just feel like they're piling in, and there's a single mom trying to figure out how in the world they can make all the ends meet, and then in addition to that, they want their kids to have a Christmas because it's not fair already that they, have the, they don't have the mom and dad. But to, to not have Christmas, that's not fair. That stress and pressure that it wasn't supposed to be this way. And there's an elderly person living by themselves and their family doesn't even seem to notice and their paycheck only goes so far. It seems like if you look around enough, the stress is everywhere. You can feel it. Sad because that's not what this season was supposed to be. That last song we sang, that, that worship song that Tate led so well, I, as we were singing that song, I thought, oh my goodness, it's, that's the sermon. We, we serve a God who promises peace, and yet there's not a lot of peace. I mean, I'm feeling it right now. I feel all shaky just talking about those things. You know, the prophet Isaiah prophesied about Jesus coming. I want you to read with me what he prophesied. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor. These, these titles are so full of meaning and, and really peace. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He's the prince of peace. And he's promised in this time that we celebrate this time of year, we're literally celebrating the coming of the prince of peace. And his government is supposed to be about bringing peace. And there will be no end. Peace. Peace. This prophecy fulfilled in Christ's birth is a powerful, powerful thing. And what I, one thing I want us to recognize, recognize today that is as much stress as we experience in the world that we are talking about here that I've just described, the people who were seeing this prophecy fulfilled on Jesus' birth, they really didn't understand our world. And all of that buying for Christmas wouldn't have been on their minds like it is on ours today. Because it's one thing to, to think about our world that we live in, but if you're an American and you are, and you live in this country, and you're, you're anywhere near the middle class, 
you are living in a really, really unique time in, in human history. Because the middle class didn't exist in this day. The fact is that this prophecy being fulfilled, and in fact, the people who were hearing this prophecy and the, and the angels coming to the shepherds, I mean, they came to a class of people who knew no peace. They did not know peace. They lived in a world that was in chaos all the time and threat of war and a time in a world that was really, really a difficult, difficult place. And unless you were one of the very few in the upper class, you really lived in what was really survival mode. Life expectancy in the first century was, was actually in the 30s. That's why it was so unusual for Simeon in his 80s to be prophesying over the baby Jesus when he was eight days old. Older people didn't live that long because life was hard and it was rough. Manual labor was the common jobs. There was no modern medicine. People, people died of things that you and I don't even think twice about. You know, we run to urgent care and get to see a doctor for, you know, whatever your co-payment is. And they give you some medicine that didn't even exist in this day. Sickness was common and lethal. Most people were illiterate. Slavery. This, this just blows my mind. The, the Roman Empire was literally propped up and built on slavery. 35, they estimate 35 to 40% of the population of, of the Roman Empire were slaves of one level or another. Over two to three million people. And if you were in Palestine at the time, your country was under Roman occupation. That meant that there were Roman soldiers everywhere and that you had to do whatever they asked you to do. If that meant carrying their things for them, if that meant putting them up for them to stay the night, you just had to do it because they ruled your country. The heavy, heavy taxation was, was everywhere, funding the extravagant government and the global conquest. Really, it's always been the truth and the, the, the reality of human history that there was always this kind of tragedy and corruption and chaos and poverty and oppression and abuse. In addition to that, the religious ruling authority added more pressure to that. So when this prophecy about peace came, for them, most of them, I don't know if they could even understand, even the peace that we understand and experience was probably something that was completely foreign to them. The ruling establishment, they made it almost impossible to please God. The people of the first century, they desperately, desperately needed peace. For them, peace of mind would have been something that would have been hard to even imagine. The idea that you didn't have to worry from moment to moment, day to day, to be able to feed your family and whether or not you were going to live past 35. They needed desperately the idea that, that there would be peace about their future. But more than anything else, one thing that they were never guaranteed is, is peace with God. Because peace with God is something that they had to earn. They had to scrap and scrape and, and strive for. They had to get there. They had to make themselves good enough to be accepted by God. Whether that meant bringing offerings to the, to the temple or sacrificing animals or, or whatever they would do. They were always wondering in question, did I do this right? Did I do this, 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 this? It's no different than the rest of the world today, though. Because they strive and strive. And their definition, if you were to ask anybody on the street, hey, do you think if there's a heaven, would you go there? Most of them would say yes. And you ask them, why do you think you would go? They would say, because I'm a good person. Because being good enough is the idea that you're going to get in. But ultimately, when you start to look and 
evaluate, you realize is none of us are good enough. None of us are good enough. And the idea that you could actually have peace with the God of the universe is a completely foreign idea. The fact is, every religion in the world is set up that way. You have to work yourself your way to God. If it's, if it's Buddhism and the Eightfold Path or, or Islam and the Five Pillars, whatever it is, you have to check off, did I do this, did I do this, 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 this? Am I good enough? You have to strive and strive and strive and strive. That's why that this, this idea of peace with God was so unattainable. Lasting, eternal, deep-rooted peace. We need it so desperately. And then, as now, we have so many, so many, so many phony, phony, artificial ways to get peace. Have you notice that? We strive and desperately want it so bad. And so what do we do? So many people, they, they medicate in one way or another, whether it's, whether it's drugs or alcohol or just anything. Anything to dull the pain and to give you at least a moment sense of peace. I'll never forget this. My sixth grade teacher, Mrs. Delfo, I don't, know if, I don't know the context. I don't remember if someone had asked about it or what, but I remember her saying, alcohol doesn't take away your problems. It irrigates them. I remember in sixth grade, I didn't know what irrigate meant. <laughs> I had to look that up. But now I get it. Now I get it. You think you're medicating, and all you're doing is growing them for later. The fact is, it doesn't take them away. It's just a temporary relief. And in fact, a lot of times that medicating actually creates more problems. A lot of people, they just try to ignore it, act like it's not there. They, they act like, if I can't see it, it's almost like the child who says, oh, you can't see me. Yeah, you can. And the fact is, you can ignore it all day long, but it doesn't change anything. None of those things go away on their own. A lot of people, they just try to run, 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 run. They feel if they can run, they can just, maybe, maybe they don't have peace in this situation or in this relationship or in this job. So what they do is they say, well, I'm going to run from that and I'm going to run to another one. And then ultimately, the peace is not found there either. So what do they do? They run again. They just keep running and running and running and running. And they find that that doesn't actually solve anything. You can move around all you want, but the peace doesn't follow you. The peace isn't there. Some people just flood it with busyness. And they feel like, if I can do enough things, and a lot of times it's unconscious, you know, the workaholic or, or the person who just fills their life with so many things. I remember sitting in one of my first youth minister meetings ever, and there was a bunch of youth ministers there, and we all had our little calendars out, you know, and, and I remember mine had like three things on it, and I remember the guy next to me, he was joking, he was joking, but he says, dude, you're not doing it, look at mine, I'm very important, my, every one of my squares is full. He was kidding, but I remember thinking, man, he's right, he's doing things I'm not, I need to be doing more, as if, as if having everything done gives you peace, and it doesn't. All it does is make you busier. You flood your life with things or events or even people. You fall exhausted into bed. Never enough time to get everything done. And all that does is just add more stress and has you headed for a crash. The beauty of it all is you don't have to live that way. You don't. You don't have to live that way. The fact is that that Prince of Peace who was prophesied by Isaiah and who was born on what we celebrate as Christmas 2017 years ago, that Prince of Peace is here for you today. And when he was on earth, here's how he said it. He said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Here's the thing. The peace that he gives, that peace actually transcends everything. It transcends all of those worries. 
The peace that he gives is something that, that, that you can't actually earn and you can't get it on your own. And no matter how hard you chase for it and, and try to earn it, you can't. But he chooses and wants to give it to you. He wants to give it to you. He literally wants to trade all that stress that you have for peace. He wants to take all those worries and stress and give you peace. It's about his gift. Now, when he offers to us, we have to choose to take it or not. <laughs> it's a funny thing. You know, there's so many times, I don't know if you've ever experienced this before. Maybe you've, maybe you've done it with a, with a child or something, and, and you, you, you try to give them something, but they're not sure that'll work. Or maybe even you as an adult, maybe you, like a lot of us, you, you like a little more control than that. Any, anybody here like that? And to actually let go and let God is almost too hard to ask. Like, can I really, really, really trust him to take care of this? Trust is a, is a big five-letter word, trust. Because what does that look like? I mean, what does that even mean? It's, it's so hard to do where he's saying, I will give you peace, and you're saying, yeah, yeah, but, but I don't think you understand. I've got to do this and this and this, and I've got this problem, and they're not changing. And the problem is really them, and, and you're not doing anything about them. And he's saying, you first need to trust. You need to trust. But we're so used to depending on ourselves, and, and we've got to fix it, and the buck stops right here. And if I don't do it, no one else will do it. And, and like maybe my, my aunt would say, and bless her heart for being so, so self-aware, she goes, they're not going to do it right. They're not going to do it the way I would do it or the way I want it done. And he's saying, trust me. Trust me. And everybody that you're used to depending on, they let you down. You're thinking, well, I, I've trusted before, but it hasn't worked that way. Trust. Trust. Sometimes it involves actually letting go. Let it go. Don't, don't sing that song, but let it go. It's hard to do, though. Because a lot of times we look at it and we say, but God, you're not, you're not handling it quick enough. Or you're not doing it the way I would do it. Or God, I don't know. I don't understand how you could even fix this thing. I wonder what he thinks sometimes when we say that. Do you wonder? It's like when a kid says, you know, maybe a five-year-old, and they say, all my life I've, and you're like, yeah, that's right, all your life, all your five years of life, all your five years of life, and God is looking at it and saying, really, daughter, really, son, I can do this if you just let me do it. I've got a cousin, I got to see some of my cousins I don't normally get to see when I was in San Diego, and um, one evening, we went and visited uh, one of my cousins and her husband. I've known him for a long time, and he's been in the ministry, and, and um, he's an inspector, actually. I was, I was thinking of you, John Bournes, because he's an inspector for the city of San Diego, but uh, we had heard that he had cancer, and we were kind of, didn't know much about it or whatever, and so we stopped by to see him and um, walked in. He's, he was 5'9", the last time I saw him, he's now 5'4". It was, it was shocking. It was one of those things where I kept saying, face don't show the shock you're feeling you know what i'm saying i walked in and i'm like oh my goodness he's got a multiple myeloma it's called it's a cancer that that attacks the bones and the bones become brittle and break inside your body and he found out back in may when he, he's an avid avid uh, um, uh mountain bike guy i mean avid like he competes and all that stuff and he was riding in may and and slid out and he broke a rib and he's done that before i didn't think it was that big a deal like i mean he's telling me the story i'm like yeah no big deal and he said, but it didn't heal. 
And he went to doctor after doctor, and finally they found out not only did he have that broken rib, but there's breaks all through his spine, and that's why he's, he's shrinking. It's unbelievable. And as he's telling us a story, I'm, I'm feeling the stress and worry and concern just overwhelm me, and I'm, I'm feeling myself choke up with just, God, what in the world? And he's just casually telling us the story. I'm, I'm, I'm talking to him, and he's, he's going on, and he's saying, it's treatable. They're going to have to, I'm going to have this certain kind of chemo, and I'm going to have to do this and this, and they're going to give me these injections while they're doing an x-ray to, to kind of um, plaster up these breaks. And he goes, and I'm in constant pain. And I'm, I said, Mark, you just say it so casually. And here's what he said. Well, we've done all we can do. I trust God. I've given it to him. I'm at peace. I, I just sat there and thought, oh, my goodness. That's the kind of peace we need. And, and I sat there and looked at him, and I thought, I'm preaching about this on Sunday, and I don't have that kind of peace for situations that are, I mean, in comparison, they're, they're nothing. I mean, he's five inches shorter. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I mean, you can't look at him and not see what he's going through. And he's, he's sitting in this easy chair. And even when I gave him a hug, I was trying not to break him. And he's at peace. I said, Mark, how do you, how do, you do that? And he said, well, I, I, I do it every day, and I just ask him. And then this is what he said. He said, and I, I've given it to him. And I said, God, I, I can't do anything with this. I need you to do the rest. And he said, he goes, he's... He just keeps telling me, my peace I give to you. Not like the world gives, but my peace I give to you. I, I, we, we actually went there to encourage him, you know that? And I walked out of there encouraged. I walked out of there with my faith larger, seeing somebody who's trusting God with, with what on the surface and the, on the outside looks like an insurmountable situation. He did whatever he could do, and then he's just he's handing it to God. Sometimes, no question, we need to get help with our worries. I'm not saying put your head in the sand and don't worry about things. Goodness, no. But like, like, like Mark and, and Tammy, I mean, they've gone to doctors. They're heading out to Mayo, and they're, gonna, they're doing what they can do. You need to do what you can do. I mean, a lot of times we do need help. I mean, the bottom line is this. You need to ask him for help, and he will start to work in those situations. Now, this is going to get personal, and I, well, just will. Just be ready. He does change things. He does. Sometimes he does change those situations and the people involved in the situations. And sometimes he doesn't do it on your timetable, but he does do it. And sometimes the change isn't exactly what you thought it would be, but he does do it. And sometimes, here's the uncomfortable part, he changes you. I don't know about you, but I like change when it's my idea. Right? I like change when I planned it. I like, I like to get up when I plan to, but then if I have to get up earlier than that, I'm like... Man, I can't believe I'm going to get up early. But if I had, to, I had to set the alarm that time, or if I, it was my idea, that's different. I can deal with that. Sometimes he changes you. Sometimes the change is, is, is in you, and it's in your perspective. Sometimes it's in your position. Sometimes it's in, just in you and your personality, and he needs to do some reconstructing. The question is, are you willing to let him do that? Are you willing to do what you need to do to have his peace? Because he is the prince of peace, and he's come to reign not only peace in this world, but peace in you. But you have to do what you need to do for that to happen. God offers these things for you, but you have to be willing to take them. He, he wants you 
to choose peace. He wants you to choose peace. This verse in Matthew, this comes out of the Beatitudes. Jesus is teaching on the, on the Mount, the Sermon on the Mount. One of the things he says is, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Because part of him being the prince of peace is we're part of that kingdom, and it's our job to bring peace. Some of you are like, I can't bring peace because I don't know what peace is. And I'm not in a, moment, in a place of peace, so how can I bring peace? You know what? God uses us sometimes in the middle, middle, middle of our weakness. And that's okay. Sometimes we're, the, we're, the best, we're in the best position to be used when we're in the middle of weakness. And he literally calls us to be peacemakers. Especially this time of year when chaos is swirling around this season. And you may be the one that can bring encouragement that somebody needs to hear. It could be something simple, like, like really just a compliment. It could be something about their character or their personality that, that somebody hasn't heard something like that in a long time. And as you say that, it brings peace to a situation. Maybe, maybe people you work with or people at your school or family members are in the middle of chaos, and you can be an agent of peace. Sometimes it's by speaking something. Sometimes it's just by being there. Your presence, now be praying under your breath, but be being there can bring peace in a way that some people just desperately need. Sometimes it's something you do where you help in a time of need and, and somebody's life is out of control and chaotic, but they need you and you're there for them. Sometimes you really just need to be quiet. That's hard for some of us. Where, where our life is so verbal, but you need to just be quiet. Do you need peace today? I'm going to ask this question. I'm going to ask you to shut your eyes even for a second. I'm going to ask you this question. How many of you in the middle of the season would be just honest and say that you personally need peace? Anybody? I do see those hands, and I appreciate that. How many of you, as I was even talking just there in the last, that you know that God is calling you to be an agent of peace. Anybody feel that? That you need to be that person that brings peace? See some hands. Let me ask one more question, probably the most important question you'll hear in your whole life, and that is this. Does anybody here need peace with God? You don't have that. That maybe you are in a place or you're living in a place where, where you are not at peace with him, but you want to be. Let me just tell you, that whole prophecy about him being the prince of peace, that's one of those things that really he starts to reign before he reigns in the world or in your, in, in your life. He needs to reign in your heart. And there might be somebody here today who needs that peace. Maybe, maybe you've lived your life just your way or maybe there's things you realize that are out of place. And you need to be at peace. You need to ask him for forgiveness. Let me just tell you, he will give it to you. That's what he does. The thing is, he doesn't expect you to claw your way to him. He wants you to come to him. So he paid the price for you. That's what he does. Anybody here need peace with him today? If you would just raise your hand, we'd like to pray with you. Anybody at all. That you need peace with him. First of all, you, him, in your heart. Anybody at all. All right, I just want to pray with the rest of you today. Those of you who have raised your hand that you personally need peace. Those of you who raised your hand that you know that God has called you to be that peacemaker. Here's what I'd like you to do. I'd like all of us to, uh, 
to stand for just a second. I want to pray over you and with you. And I don't know if there's anybody in here who you feel like you need prayer from somebody. If I could have our prayer partners, the people who pray with with us, the pastors, their wives, board, their wives, those on the prayer team, if you could come down to the front right now, and if you are here and you feel like you need extra prayer, maybe you need prayer for healing, or maybe you need prayer for some situation where you know you want peace and you need it, but you need someone to pray with you, I'd invite you to come now as we pray, and I'm going to pray over all of us. So if you need that peace now, just come on down. Father, I lift up these friends of mine in this room today. I lift up myself. And I ask, God, for those of us who need peace in an area of our life, maybe it's work or, or could, be, could be situations or could be relationships, God, but we're crying out to you today because we need peace. We've, we've tried to find it and we can't. God, we need your guidance in that. If it's something we need to do, if it's something we need to say, if it's something we need to not say, God, I just pray that you would speak to us right now and give us that wisdom and direction to do or not do or be whatever it is we need to be. God, we want your peace in our hearts and our minds today. Father, I pray for those in this room who may be struggling with even the season, whether, whether it's arrangements for the season or, or family members or if it's a, the gifts or the money or just the whole time of it. Father, I pray for those who may have lost a loved one, and this may be a a difficult time because that person won't be there. And I pray, God, for your comfort and for your peace to reign in their hearts right now. God, I pray for those who who know that you have called them to be agents of peace, whether that's in their workplace or their, their families or school or with their friends. God, I pray that you would give them the wisdom to know what to do and what to be and what to say. And God, I pray that you would direct each and every one of us in that way that we would be that peace. Father, we pray for our world today. A world that, again, so desperately needs your peace. We need peace from conflict, from war, from from nations warring against one another. We need peace on our streets, people that that desperately need to know you as their Savior. God, we ask that you would help us to change our world, that you would reign as the Prince of Peace in our world today. God, we praise you and we lift you up and we give you the praise for those things. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 You may be seated. Pastor Jeremy's going to come and share just a couple of things with us to prepare us for the rest of the season. God bless you this morning.